Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, everyone. One week until Christmas. Are you ready? Hopefully all your Christmas shopping is done so that you can put your mind on worshiping the Lord this morning, right? I know there's a lot of stress around Christmas time, but I'm so grateful that we can be here together and worship the Lord. We're going to begin our service today with Jeb. He's got some announcements for us, so I'm looking forward to hearing what Jeb has to say. You never know. Well, good morning! My name is Jeb, and I'm excited you're here for our worship experience today. I hope you're excited to spend time with each other, and most of all, to spend some time with God today. Well, I want to get right into it, because we got a lot going on today. In fact, our first announcement is about something happening today. Fifteen minutes after our worship experience is over, we're going downstairs. We're going to have a rehearsal for our Christmas Eve not live nativity. It's going to be great. Pastor Eric and Mr. Nick, they're going to, they're going to direct the thing and help us get started. And, and we're going to run through the whole thing today. It's going to be great. So that's right after our worship experience downstairs. Now we got another special rehearsal this Wednesday. There, there's no prayer at church this Wednesday. Because we're having a rehearsal happen on, they're gonna be here. Danger. We've got our live nativity. We're doing two performances, one at 2:30 and one at 4 p.m. And so make sure you're inviting people to come. Pass out all those invitations that we gave you. It's gonna be great. Both services are gonna be awesome. Oh, and if you're coming to to, to be in the live nativity. Please make sure you park upstairs and walk through the church. We want to leave all the parking spaces available down here for our guests and visitors. Well, and the day after Christmas, we got some great stuff going on too. You'll want to be here for our Sunday morning worship experience on December 26th. Because at 10 a.m., we are kicking things off. It's going to be away in a manger. There's not going to be any announcements, so make sure you get your bulletin because at 10 a.m. we're going right into the performance. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time with each other, a great time with our guests, and a great time with God. Well, well, Merry Christmas, and I will see you guys later. Bye! Good old Jeb. We're going to begin our service this morning by singing some of my favorite songs, and that's Christmas carols. Anybody like Christmas carols? We're going to sing one that is one of my favorite, Oh Holy Night. If you want to just remain seated as we sing this, you're welcome to. But we're going to sing verses 1 and 3 of Oh Holy Night.
Hallelujah. God, thank you for that night. That Jesus came into this world. Lord, I thank you for the peace that you bring to our hearts and to our lives. Lord, we worship you this morning. Jeremiah 32, verse 17 says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You believe that this morning? There's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing this song, Everlasting God. Strength will rise as we wait on the Lord. You're the defender of the weak. You 
God, thank you that you are our strength. When we are weak, you are strong. God, what a privilege it is to gather together and to lift up praise and worship to you. Lord, I thank you that your presence is here this morning. And Lord, as we prepare to hear your word, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. You would challenge us, change us, make us more like you. God, I thank you for our church. We just give you thanks and praise. All glory and honor belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. And I believe Jeb is coming back right now. Do you know what time it is? It's time for the AG Express Kids Ministry. So at this time, if all the kiddos can get up on their feet and head to the back door with Miss Jackie, we're going to have a great time down in Kids Church. Let's go! Well, good morning, church. Um, obviously, this morning is going to be a little bit different than... Uh, than what we've done in the past. Uh, but you know what? We've been in a season for two years of stepping into new things, being creative. So, hey, we're going to do that today. I'll be as scruffy as you're ever going to cap because when I got up this morning, count with some lights and get stuff ready for uh, Christmas Eve practice and, and help Jeff with doing a little bit of woodwork uh, and some lighting. But uh, that's not the way things have rolled out. So let me explain how we got to where we're at today so that you understand why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so yesterday, which would have been Friday that evening, uh, my wife and I, we went out with a few people. We went and saw a movie. Great movie, by the way. I very much enjoyed the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, but the person that I ended up sitting next to uh, ended up getting sick overnight. They were tested this morning, and they are positive for COVID. So sitting that close, uh, right next to each other for three-plus hours, uh, obviously there's a concern that uh, I could be positive. For COVID, and so we're taking the necessary precautions this morning with not having me in the building. Uh, so we had the opportunity for me to preach, and so I'm just doing that. Uh, so I hope that uh, you're along for the ride today. God's going to do something great. Uh, our incredible leadership team will take over and uh, work through the things uh, with Christmas Eve practice tonight, and uh, we'll keep keep moving forward. Uh, as far as we're concerned, Pam and I will get tested on Monday or Tuesday. As long as we're feeling well and our tests come back negative, we'll continue uh, the week like a, a normal week. Uh, if it goes in the other direction, then uh, hey, we'll we'll punt and we'll figure that out as we as we get there. Uh, but I'm looking forward to today to be able to bring a word of God to you, uh, and I hope that you will pray for us and those who are sick. I know there are several right now in our church that have have tested positive for COVID. Uh, so let's just keep that in prayer as we move forward. Well, before I actually get into the message today, I've got some great news and a little bit of a challenge for you. Uh, you might know that I got a big heart for missions, and I believe that coming into this next season, God is going to push us in missions like never before. But this last week, I got an email from our district office informing me that we are the number two church in Wisconsin for BGMC giving this year. That's crazy. That's amazing, and only God could do that, and only God could do that through you because of your generous hearts. And here's where we're at. We are about $400 short of hitting $10,000 for BGMC, just $400. 
So this morning, I'm wondering if maybe we can push that over the top. And so uh, as soon as I'm done preaching this message today, uh, I will be electronically giving $100 uh, to BGMC through our church. I'm wondering if you, there's someone that would match that today. Is there one person or a couple here that would be willing to give $100? Are there two people willing to give $50? And are there four people willing to give $25 today? Because that's all it would take to push us over and we've given more than 10 grand to BGMC. How cool would that be? Uh, what a great opportunity we have. So let's get it done. In fact, let's celebrate right now as if it is done, because I believe there are going to be hearts moved to give today at the end of service. Just put it in an envelope, mark BGMC on it or on a check. Make sure you put BGMC, put that in the box, and Kathy will get that check out uh, this week to our national office, and we'll make sure that counts towards our giving. So You've got it, church. Let's celebrate together. Well, I want to get into today's message. And we are in the Christmas season. Obviously, we've got our platform decorated with all these great presents. And of course, the greatest present you and I could have is the presence of Jesus in our life. That's the greatest present we could have is the presence of Christ in our life. But I want you to think for just a moment about Christmas celebrations that you've had and the presents that you've opened under the tree, whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, or maybe you do Christmas a little differently, you meet on a different day altogether. But think about one of the greatest gifts that you got that really surprised you, that you were excited about, maybe as a kid or maybe as an adult, uh, the greatest gift. Now, you probably got that in your mind. Now, I want you to think about the gift that was like, even is this? Walling the face, you smile anyway, even. But when I think about Christmas, there is one gift that seems to transcend Christmas giving. I think ever since we started giving gifts at Christmas time, there is one gift that almost every person has received at some point, and that is the gift of socks. That's right, socks. Whether it's holiday socks, white athletic socks, black socks, we've all gotten socks for Christmas. But it's what's interesting is our response to this gift. And it seems to be the response is really guided by maturity and age. Because when you were a kid, your response to getting socks at Christmas was probably like this. Yep. Oh no, socks! But when we're adults, our response seems to be totally different. Our response seems to be like this. Yes! Excitement! How can this be? Well, that's because when you're a child, when you're a kid, and you get socks, you're disappointed because you didn't get what you wanted. You wanted uh, a skateboard, a bicycle, an action figure, a video game, whatever it might be that, that was your expectation, but then you get socks. But as an adult, we get excited about getting socks because we realize this, it's something that we need because we all have those socks that need to be thrown away. They've got holes in them, the heels wearing out, they're stretched super thin. We need new socks. And so we realize there's a need that's been fulfilled by a gift. And so that brings excitement into our life. As we go into today's message, you might think to yourself, this isn't the typical message that I would expect as a Christmas primer into the Christmas season. And you would be right. But I want to tell you, I think it's the message that we need to hear and respond to. It's the gift that we need today, that someone needs here 
to experience the healing internally in them so that they can process things and move forward. And I believe that's what God wants to do today for some people here. He wants to bring some healing to an area of your life that's deeply wounded. And what a great Christmas present that would be. So let's jump into our scripture today. We're in Mark chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 43 through 52. So let's do that together. Now, this is taking place in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had just had this interaction with his disciples. We've been talking about that the last few weeks. So this is Jesus referring to at the beginning of the scripture. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Things have escalated greatly in just a matter of moments. Verse 48, am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. Then they seized him. He fled naked, leaving his garment behind. And with that, we have the first streaker in the scriptures. <laughs> We're not going to talk about him necessarily today. What I want to talk about is the heartache of betrayal. You'll notice in your bulletin, we have an outline of the message. There's three points there. I just want to tell you right now, we're not going to hit all three. We're just going to focus on number one, January 9th, God willing. Just read about this moment where a few weeks when we were at the, the table, the Thanksgiving table, the Passover table, and, and we talked about the interactions that happened uh, in that meeting with Jesus and his disciples. And there was an opportunity given to Judas to make things right. He was confronted by Jesus and where his heart was. But Judas struggled with a hard heart. And Judas refused to repent. And he continued to walk out the choices that would bring about this moment that we read about the actual betrayal of Jesus. And the heartbreak that Jesus must have had. I want to share with you right off the top that Jesus loved Judas. That Jesus' heart as the Savior wanted to see Judas correct his behavior. To correct the choices that he was making. But Judas did not do so. And we see G because of this betrayal, because of what takes place here, that Jesus is abandoned. He's left with his betrayer and those who have come to arrest him alone. The truth is that all of us will experience betrayal in our life. We'll experience betrayal from someone, maybe a spouse, a family member, a friend, a boss, or a leader in our life. Maybe we'll experience betrayal from some type of organization. Maybe it's, it's your work or some type of, of group or a club that you're a part of. 
Maybe you feel betrayed by, by some type of agency that was working with you on something. Or maybe you've been betray- you feel betrayed by a ministry or a church. And there's just this heartache of betrayal. Sometimes betrayal is authentic, and sometimes it's, it's something different. Maybe it's perceived. See, sometimes I think betrayal is, is very much genuine. It's a genuine betrayal. Someone hurt us by their actions, by what they said, by what they did. And then sometimes it's a perceived betrayal. This is when we, we perceive a betrayal when, when in reality there was no actual intent of malice by the actor, actors that, that did something. We just feel betrayed. But remember this, feelings can lie to us. In fact, your feelings and emotions can be the biggest betrayer of all in our life. Because sometimes they take something that's minute, something that's small, and because of our emotions, because of our feelings, it blows up into something so much bigger. And it's a much bigger mess for us to deal with because we didn't keep our emotions in check. And that's a tough thing to do. The fact is, is that we have to learn how to process the feelings of betrayal, to work through the pain so that we can move forward. If you and I don't do that, if if we stay focused, if we allow that, that feeling of betrayal to just continue to linger inside of us, it leads us down a road none of us want to go to. We've got to be able to move forward because if we don't, your spiritual growth stops. And it's not really all at once. Usually it doesn't, it's not like a a collision on the tracks, but usually what happens is over time, if we don't process those feelings of betrayal, that, that our spiritual momentum slows down, slows down, slows down, and eventually crawls to a halt completely. If we don't process these feelings, if we don't process the issues of betrayal in our heart, we become bitter. We become fixated on the person or the organization that we feel betrayed us. It it takes up our entire mindset. We become fixated on the hurt that it's caused. And here's the thing, we become fixated on the person or people that God tries to give us to miss what God from heartache in your past. Now, I think there are some here who have recently felt the sting of betrayal. But you know what? There are some of you that have had this sting of betrayal, and it's not from recent events. It's from something in your past, and you've never processed it, and it's lingered inside of you, and it's creeped around in the dark recesses of your heart and your mind, and it is still affecting where God wants to take you. It's, it's a stopping you from moving into the directions God wants to move you into. And this morning, God is saying, it's time to deal with this. It's time to deal with this. Let's deal with it this morning. I want to give you uh, two examples this morning of betrayal in Scripture. One that's a genuine betrayal and one that's a perceived betrayal. The first one we see is between Samuel and King Saul. Samuel was this mentor to King Saul. He was was there when God called Saul into ministry. He was the one that got to anoint him as king. They were close. 
There was, there was an emotional connection as they did ministry and life together. They were close. But over the course of time, Saul began to, to have issues with his heart and his mind. He, he began to walk away from honoring God and began to crave honoring himself above honoring God. And that led Saul to some very poor decisions in his life and some very poor decisions in his leadership. And this caused him to move out of God's will. This broke Samuel's heart and Samuel tried to reason with Saul, but in the end, restoration was not happening. And here we see God speak to Samuel about this. 1 Samuel 16, 1, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have chosen one of his sons to now be king. God is basically telling Samuel, you've got to let go so that we can move on. You've got to let go because, because what I want to do is bigger than what you want to do. And it was not that God did not love Saul. He loved Saul. But Saul continued to make these choices. And again, his heart had gotten hard. He could not see beyond his own perspective. He was stuck. And because he had not heeded the words of, uh, of the people in his life, that were, were trying to, to bring correction to him because these people, they weren't trying to hurt Saul. They were just trying to say, look, God's trying to do something bigger in your life. But you're honoring yourself above him. And Saul and himself did not have the courage to confront that. So God told Samuel, you got to let go and we got to move forward. Let's talk about a perceived betrayal. And that's between Paul and Barnabas, two great men of the New Testament that, that did such a tremendous job reaching people for the gospel, taking the gospel message to places it's never been before. Saul of Tarsus had been such a vicious persecutor of Christians that even after his conversion, the church were still afraid of him. When Paul eventually returned to Jerusalem, Following his conversion to Christ, Barnabas had to persuade the disciples to let the apostles fellowship with them. Barnabas was his greatest defender, his greatest advocate, saying, look, there's been a life transformation in this guy that once rejected us and for the mission of Barnabas' uh, intercession, a wonderful friendship between Paul and Barnabas was formed. It is therefore rather a sad note that they eventually had this huge falling out, and we're going to touch base on that right now. On the first missionary journey, John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, accompanied them. Along the way, however, John Mark decided to return to his home in Jerusalem. The reason for his departure is not specified. It's not in, it's not in the Scripture. We don't know why he returned home. Maybe somebody got sick. Maybe, maybe he was feeling uncomfortable. Maybe he felt God was calling him to something else. I don't know. No one knows. But later on, on the second campaign, as they were planning to go on another missions trip, Barnabas brought up the fact and said, hey, look, let's bring Mark as a helper. But Paul resisted the idea. The New Testament records 
what happened here. And there was, it was obviously a heated uh, discussion in Acts chapter 15. While the Bible never tells us directly whatever happens here, if, if they ended up mending their differences or if they ended up split for the rest of, the rest of their time, I think there are some, maybe some clues that we find uh, that maybe down the road that they were able to work through their issues together, but we don't know that for sure. And here's the thing. This wasn't a genuine betrayal. It was a perceived betrayal. Here, here was Paul, and he perceived John Mark that whatever John's reason for leaving the first missionary journey, it, it soured Paul. It, it, he felt betrayed so much so that it brought division between him and his closest friend, Barnabas. Man, relationships are tough. They're hard. And they require work. They require mending. And really, we need to make sure that Jesus is in all our relationships. Because without his help, I think all of our relationships are doomed to eventually struggle and die because we're so bad at working through relational issues. Today, I want to talk for a moment about how do we begin to process the pain of betrayal. If you feel betrayed, if, if what I've been talking about so far is ringing something inside of you, you're thinking about a relationship that you have with a family member. Maybe it's a sibling, a sister, or a brother. Maybe it's a child or a granddaughter and you, 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 you feel betrayed. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's, it's a friend, a partner that you, you had in life. Maybe it's a partner you've had in ministry and you feel betrayed. How do you begin to work through it? I want to give you 12 steps and we're going to go through these pretty quickly about how we move on to, to get through the pain and begin to be effective in the kingdom of God, to allow God to be able to go to the places that it needs to go inside of us to do the transformational work so that we're not held back by the pain of betrayal any longer. So here we go. Step one, breathe. That probably should be the first step in anything you do. It's always good to keep oxygen going to your brain. But breathe. Take time to step away from the hurt. Just take a moment. Take some time to remove yourself from the situation, from the heat of the moment. Before you do something irrational. Because sometimes when we're confronted, when there's the moment of hurt, we can say things and do things that only make the situation worse. So take a moment to breathe. A wise man once said to me, as a pastor, never quit on a Monday. Never have truer words been said to someone who fills a pulpit. Because something will happen. Someone will say something. An explosion will happen in church. And when Monday morning rolls around, all you want to do is say, I've had enough. Never quit on a Monday. Always take a moment to breathe before making any lasting decisions in your life. Process what reason through. Use this mind. He's given us his spirit. He's given us emotion, but he's also given us a mind. And those things aren't supposed to be divided. They're supposed to work together in harmony. We need to rationally process what happened to bring us to this place of hurt. Reason through what actually occurred. This requires a scene beyond our own point of view and our own perspective to be able to maybe put ourselves in the other person's shoes and maybe what they were trying to accomplish or say. 
And yes, maybe they were trying to be vindictive and hurtful, but maybe they were trying to do something in the opposite direction of that. Maybe they were trying to be encouraging, positive, and move forward, but we, we took it the wrong way. So rationally process through what happened. Step three, and this is a big one, forgive. Forgiving does not mean accepting the wrong behavior of others. We're not validating what someone else did to us. All right? If you feel like you've been a victim of something, because I know there are some of you in here, you've experienced something that has, has been horrid. I, I mean, it has brought so much scars to your life by someone that you loved, by someone that you trusted. Maybe it's an abuse that has been against you, physical, emotional. Maybe even a sexual abuse. And, and you're, you're trying to rationalize that and you're saying, Pastor, how can I forgive? Forgiveness does not mean that you're validating someone's behavior. It means you're detaching from the pain, the frustration, and the bitterness buried within you. Forgiveness breaks us free like a ship dislodged from a dock. Life is the open sea. And when we pardon our past, when we let it go, when we actually forgive, not just with, wor not just with words, but with, with something internally, a choice that's made here, when we let go, it's like being on the open sea. The freedom that we would experience. But as long as we harbor hatred and anger against others, our personal progress is stifled. We're tied to a dock and unable to go on the journey we're called to go on. We've got to work through forgiveness in our life. Number four, you've got to throw away betrayal. Throw betrayal away. And I mean it literally. Throw it away. I want you to try this exercise if you're here today and you're dealing with this. I want you to write down on a piece of paper your worst case of betrayal. Capture your emotions. Describe this terrible moment. Highlight the magnitude of the event. Write it down on a physical piece of paper. Get it out of your system, no matter how long it occurred ago. It's not something that has to be recent. Maybe it's something from generations ago. I, I don't know. But write it down. If it's, if it's bothering you, if it's hindering you, write it down on that piece of paper. Get it all out of your system. Then I want you to fold up that piece of paper and I want you to get rid of it in some dramatic way. You can toss it in the dumpster, in the garbage disposal. You can, well, maybe not the garbage. So if you write a whole book, don't put it down the garbage disposal. You can get rid of it by, by lighting it on fire. You can just don't burn down anything. You can toss it in the dumpster. You can throw it in the ocean, which might be a little hard if you're here in Wisconsin, but you can throw it in a lake. You can, you can flush it down the toilet. Just don't do it here at the church because I don't want to have to clean it up if it backs up the toilet. But throw it away. Have a moment to do this. I've done this in my own life. And there's something that happens when we, we physically embody what we're trying to do. There's something that spiritually happens in us. When we have an example saying, I'm throwing this away, I'm laying this down. Remember once being at a lake and I had an item that was holding me back. It was just very difficult. And exhilaration afterwards. And that led to some great and positive choices in my life. So you know what? Throw betrayal away. Figure out a dramatic way 
to say goodbye to the thing that's hurt you. Let's start working on the positive. Number five, rebuild your faith one step at a time. Your faith wasn't damaged in one day, so it can't be rebuilt in such a short time either. It's like a puzzle. You have to start piecing your faith back together slowly. At first, you might find it's hard to trust anyone, but slowly and surely, you'll develop a sense of confidence and goodwill of others. And you'll have to do this over time. It's it's something that takes time. When our faith has been damaged, it takes time to rebuild it. But you've got to be willing to take some time to put the pieces in place. I wish I could tell you it's as easy as snapping your fingers and it's, it's done. It's just not. It's just not that way. It's something we've got to work on and work through and listen to the Word of God and listen to the Spirit of God about how to put those pieces back together. Number seven, regain faith in yourself. That might sound really new age-ish, but it's not. The fact is, is when we've gone through a betrayal, there's a point in us that we feel we're, we're wrong, that, that we, we're not worthy uh, of those intimate type of relationships, those, those powerful friendships. There's something inside of us that we feel damaged because of what we've been through. And I want to tell you, you've got to have some faith in yourself, some healthy faith in yourself. We're not saying, I'm not saying to you, put yourself above God. No, by all means, no, don't do that. But you've got to realize that you are someone who God loves, Jesus loves, Jesus calls you, that you have worth in God's kingdom, and that God has trusted you to live the life that you're, ha- you're in. So regain some faith in yourself. The pers- first person you have to trust is yourself. Develop a deep, unbreakable bond with your, with your own outstanding abilities and your own self-vows and value. Understand who you are in Christ. And you know what? Sometimes you've got to look in the mirror and you've got to speak that into your life every day. I am a man of God. I am a woman of God. I am a son in the kingdom. I'm a daughter in the kingdom. Sometimes we need to speak those things into our life daily. Number eight, don't betray others. It's so easy when we've been hurt to hurt others. Remember the phrase, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Never forget it. Whether you've been betrayed or not, don't resort to betraying others. If you're unhappy in your relationship, simply move on. But do not knowingly deceive or mislead to satisfy your own ego. Revenge only perpetrates bad things. It's a cycle that will be recurring and recurring and recurring. That's not what God has called you to do. We're better than that. So don't betray others because you've been betrayed. Number nine, control your emotions. Your emotions can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Emotions are the essence of our existence. But when they're taken to the extreme, they can downright block our lives. We can easily become stuck in our feelings mentally and physically. When we're depressed, we have trouble going about our daily routines or we overeat uh, to try to steady our feelings in order to heal from the betrayal and to keep it from recurring in the future. You have to keep your emotions in check. If you're obsessed over something that happened in the past, 
you become stuck in the moment in time. But if you can think logically and understand the needs, emotions, and yes, at times, emotions become overwhelming in our life. Great joy or, or moments of, of even fear, moments of incredible compassion and moments of love. And at sometimes, yes, even moments of frustration and hatred, but they're to be controlled. We're to be in control of our emotions, not our emotions in control of us. Number 10, learn to trust again. While you should always be rational in your level of trust towards others, I want you, to t I want you today to pick two people to trust without limits. They can be a family member. They can be your spouse. They can be a close friend. But pick two who you know aren't out to ever harm you, but have the, your best intentions in their heart. That you can put your hopes and your love and, and, and your, your secrets and you can share them and you can, you can take the things that God shares with you in the deepest place and you can, you can share them with those two people and you build trust. Look, we can't trust everybody at the same level. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You got to have levels in your relationships. But if you could pick just two people in this next year to say, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let you in to the places of my heart in my mind, that maybe I haven't let, been, been letting anybody in. Would you walk with me? And look, I want to tell you straight up, the two people you pick are not perfect. Because no one's perfect. You've got to have grace. So pick and choose wisely, but pick two people that you can confide in and you can trust in. Number 11, try to restore things. The heart of God is to see things restored. Try to mend the fence. It's not about walking into a moment with preconceived ideas of how this has to go down. It's not about walking into a meeting or into a relationship with prerequisites of how the other party has to respond or what they have to do to be able to have this thing move forward. You've got to let all that go. And you just got to be willing to say, can we mend this fence and just move forward? Maybe it'll never be like it was before, and that's okay. That can be a good thing. But you got to be able to go, we got to move forward. We got to move forward. Somebody was sharing with me a while back about a church where there was a married couple and they came and, and they, they did not get along. And so when they came to church, they sat on opposite sides of the church. Can I tell you something? That ain't right. That ain't healthy. You at least got to get to a point where you can sit next to each other and be civil. I mean, that's hindering the Spirit of God from moving. So try to bring restoration. It's all about laying down the past and moving forward. And there's a word for that. It's called surrender. For a lot of the hurts that we have, it's not, in a lot of the cases, it's not these huge things that we've made about to be. In some cases it is, but in, in a majority, I don't think it is. It's the small things. And we've let small things become big things that have hindered us. It's time to let it go. And it's time to move forward. The twelfth one and the last one that I'll leave you with today is by far the hardest. At least for me. 
No one God is asking you to let it go and be willing to do so. It's tough sometimes when we stand in the moment that Samuel had to be in. Where people walk down a path that we can't go. It's tough. We go and move on. Someone ill will to die. And the act of obedience to be able to let go. Look, as a pastor, I, I love seeing restoration. And there have been times and moments over my ministry career where I've wanted to make things work. I've wanted to make things right. I've wanted to, to, to piece it back together. I've tried everything in my playbook to get it done. And there's been moments where God says, you've done everything I've asked you to do, now let it go. And there have been nights of tears because it's difficult and because it's challenging. Because I don't want to let go. But sometimes what's best for both parties is you just got to let, you've got to let it go. And make sure that God is telling you this. This should not be, this is the 12th step and final step, and hopefully you don't have to get here. Hopefully you get to 11 and there's restoration, but if there's not, there has to come a point where you got to go, it's time to move on. We see this with Abraham and Lot. Here were two guys, they, they, they were best buddies. They were related. Everything was good, but at some point, there was friction between them and friction between the, 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 their, their, their employees, basically. And Abraham went and said, look, we can't keep doing this. So you choose what land you want, what direction you want to go in, and I'll take the other. And they put on their big boy pants. And they came up to a resolution. But we also see here Jesus and Judas I don't believe Jesus wanted to let Judas go. That's why there was the confrontation at the table with the bread and the bowl. Because Jesus wanted to see resolution to the issue. But when Judas walked away, when Judas got up from that table and walked out and made a deal with these people that wanted to kill Jesus, when he when he made that deal, Jesus couldn't walk down that road with him. And there are times in our life where there are people that we love, there are people that we care about. We can't walk down the road that they're walking. We're not abandoning them. But we're placing them in the hands of God to go, Lord, I can't go where they're going. This is a bigger problem than I can fix. And see, that's the greatest resolution of all. Is when we can't, when we've done everything God's asked us to do and we've got to let go, we're placing people into God's arms. Maybe you'll never see the resolution that you're looking for. But maybe you can have the resolution that Jesus needs you to have. And maybe the person that you've had to let go of, maybe they can experience Christ in the area they need to experience Him in. I know it's heavy 
today. Message is, is difficult when we're talking about hurt. And I hope that today it's spoken to you. I'm not here with you in service. I wish that I could be. I really do. But you know what? I'm going to leave this up to my good friend, Robbie, to lead you in a time of prayer and a time of worship today. And Robbie, just let the Holy Spirit lead you, brother. Let's experience healing as a church family. And if you have felt betrayed, today's the day to experience the freedom. Walk through these steps, pray about them, be obedient to the Lord. I want you to know I love you, church. You're going to have a great day if two are sick. I word. Uh, but whatever, and I know God's going to do great things. So, Robbie, would you lead us in a time of reflection and processing and prayer? And then you can dismiss today. You guys will have a great practice downstairs. I love you, church. Just bow your heads and let's pray. God, I thank you for your presence here. I just pray that you would again lead us by your Holy Spirit I'm not sure of some of the pain that some here may be facing but God you know and you call us to put our trust and our hope in you we have to let go Lord show us how to let go God, I pray for healing to take place in this room. Even, we may, even though we might not see it right away, God, may we be able to walk it out in faith and trust that you will be our strength when we are weak. For your word says that when we are weak, you are strong. And we trust in that. Pastor Eric requested that we sing this song again, Everlasting God. And we're going to sing it again. And as I'm thinking and praying through just where to take the service, if this message spoke to you, as we sing the words of this song, strength will rise as we wait on the Lord. If you face betrayal, I encourage you just to let it go and just trust the Lord today. We're going to open the altars up. If you want to come, stand at the altar. If God is speaking to you, they're open. You don't have to by any means. But I just want you to be led. Let the Holy Spirit just bring things out of you today. Let Him speak to you and let Him bring healing to you. And sing in faith this song, He is the everlasting God. He does not faint. He doesn't grow weary. He will give you the strength to overcome any pain that you might be facing. So can we sing it together? Strength will rise as we wait on the Lord and let him bring healing today.
Lord, I thank you for the peace that you bring to us in the midst of storms and pain and struggles that we face. And Jesus, that's why you came to earth, to bring that peace to our life. So Lord, as we process through and think through the message that Pastor Eric shared about letting go of betrayal, putting our trust in you, God, remind us of the peace that you bring to our hearts. Jesus, that's why you have come. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Jesus, you came for that one reason. And we put our trust in you. As we conclude our service, we're just going to sing this song, Silent Night, Holy Night. And then I'll conclude in prayer and we'll be on our way. But just let the peace silent night. Oh, all is calm.
God, may we walk in that peace as we celebrate Christmas with our families. I pray that you will hearts day after day trusting in you with all of the situations that may come our way. Lord, thank you now for the opportunity to give of our tithes and our offerings and our gifts. BGMC. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless through our church. Thank you for Hillside. And Lord, as we go our separate ways, will you again remind us what our mission and our purpose is to connect, to grow, and to go. Lord, we give our lives to you. May we live a life of worship 24-7. Go with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you the day after Christmas. <laughs>